Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, my name is Danilo Petrovic. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Janis Kuda. I'm Evgeny Donskoy. I'm Henry Laksan. I'm Peter Turepko and you're listening to the Game to Love podcast. Welcome back, tennis fans. It's quarterfinal time, and this podcast we're going to be taking you through the men's quarterfinal preview because there are some amazing names in this draw, and there are some little special ones that have made it through, and some that we didn't really expect, JG, but that's the beauty of a Grand Slam. Well, it's great to be doing a podcast again. Uh, so many watch-alongs, always talking about the matches. Uh, this is one to talk about a variety of different matches. We're going to be talking about all of the quarterfinals on the men's, and then we're going to be doing a video on the women's. And uh, there's a lot of people asking, are we actually covering Rafael Nadal, considering it's the middle of the night here in the UK? But yes, we will be. And that is both of us as well. So we're both going to make it. It's going to be a long slog, but it is the real, it's kind of the match we all want to see. Rafael Nadal against Shapovalov last time out in Rome was amazing. This one, uh, there's a lot of people calling for a Rafa uh, upsetting him to go out. I've seen so many people thinking Shapo could do it. We're going to talk about everything. Um, the time he's going to be playing, of course, being a big, big talking point. Mm, yeah, I know John Silk alluded he sort of teed to this. It up, didn't he? He did indeed. I, I've been speaking to him off stream about this. He was the one who brought it to my attention more than anything. I I thought it was a bit strange because he is the the money draw, so to speak, and he is the one that everybody would want to come. They they spend a whole day maybe at work and they just think, God, I want to go to that evening session, the party session, when you have all of the atmosphere. What? Rafa's on in the daytime. That's a bit strange, isn't it? I thought the big guys always were put on at the end. They're the ones who put the bums on the seats. But it's played, was that four matches? Or is it, yeah, four matches now uh, in the day and only one in the evening. And 
It's a bit strange. He's been scheduled there again, do you not think? Well, listen, let's get into that in a second. Um, before we start, <laughs> shout out to everyone joining us in the live chat. Cheers. If you haven't already, give us a like on the video. Uh, subscribe to anyone new. Sam there. I let her down last time with Rafa. It's not happening again. I've set my alarms. I'm going to be up for Rafa on the Dow. I'm staying up through the night to cover it. So if this is one little bit of uh, me making up to you, Sam, hopefully this does goes a long way for you. Well... Yeah, I don't know whether to sleep or just to stay up. It's uh, one of those horrible uh, conundrums because obviously we've got tennis coming up before that one. We're going to be having some women's tennis that will be on before Rafa starts. So I might just watch that and then just sleep after Rafa's over, which uh, I don't know. I'm probably going to end up jet lagged again tomorrow afternoon. That's oh, where Sam's we're... pleased, so I've done something right. Uh, <laughs> let's get, <laughs> let's get up some graphics. So here are the quarterfinals. Um from the top, Monfils Berrettini and then yeah. Shapovalov Nadal. And from the bottom, we have Yannick Sinasisipas and Felix Medvedev. We're going to go through each match individually. So I feel like, Ben, there's probably only one place to start. Let's start with Rafael Nadal, the match we're covering later on. It is on the top. You can see them two there. Um, yeah, listen, it's going to be challenging but i'm very pleased i'm gonna i'm gonna go out there and be really confident in this podcast and i'm gonna be honest on how i feel i'm very pleased at shapovalov or not Sverev. i've been joking to you off the stream when Sverev was playing Shapo, saying Shapo's gonna be beat him in straight sets um r- really it was a joke i did not think it was possible <laughs> it happened and i was saying oh all the stars are aligning for rafa and that's how it feels to feel i know Shapo's playing well and he is a bit of a worry, especially how how close it was last time when they played on clay. But the difference is, he's a lot of an e- he's a he's a much easier opposition than Zverev. Uh, he he makes a lot of double faults. He makes a lot of unforced errors. I don't think he's necessarily still got that mental side of his game fully set. And I think Rafa can exploit it. He's playing very well, serving great, showing a lot of fighting spirit, and we haven't seen seeing no signs of any Rafa injury. And of course, the mm. big talking point: it's going to be played during the day of Australia. And in the, in the hotter conditions, the warmer temperatures of Australia during the day session, Rafael Nadal can perform better. He gets a lot more height on the ball. Uh, it, it sort of zips off the surface a little faster. And I think that's all it's going to do is make it a lot tougher for Shapovalov. Uh, and if we're looking at Rafael Nadal, the last few times he played at the quarterfinal here, um, the times he lost at the Australian Open, he usually went out in the night session. So... <laughs> Everything's just looking and pointing towards the fact that these conditions are going to suit him more. I know you're going to get into the controversy around why is he allowed to play it, and we'll touch on that in a second. But if you're looking at it from what we have to witness, and it's going to be a day match between the two of them, Rafa beats him. Yeah, uh, and, and it's a bit of a strange one, this one, in the respect of talking about serving as well. This is the one thing that I'm going to be focused on mostly in this match, which... Seems strange. When you talk about Rafael Nadal, you don't normally talk about, oh, his serve is the one thing which is going to potentially win him this match. I think it could be the thing which might be able to win him this match. We know Chapo, he, well, even though he beat Zverev, 11 double faults in that match against Zverev and more unforced errors than there were winners. Granted, Zverev hit much more unforced errors than he did winners. So that that was why Chapeau went through in that one. Credit to Chapeau, though. You can only beat what's put in front of you. 
on that day. And it is a big pressure match. He did play well. But Rafa's serving this tournament has been exceptional. I, I'm, there's only one way to really put it. I've not seen Rafa serve like this for donkey's years. And it's nice to see him uh, shrug off that injury that saw him just double faulting over and over again last year when we thought, what's happened to him? It's painful to watch. How many double faults? I think he was doing like seven, eight double faults a match uh, in and around that clay court swing. Uh, when we were play- when he was playing uh, Rublev, I think it was, and lost to Rublev on clay. Wasn't the same person, was it? Hmm. Looks like a completely different guy right now. And I think... He seems pretty pain-free. I know John was saying yeah. he was hobbling around in the back room, but we've not seen any signs of it on court at all, no. which fills me with a lot of confidence. We've got Matthew in saying, Craig, on uh, the free podcast, I've not seen that, to be honest, uh, said the Rafa will look to target the Chapeau backhand and wait for the error. I think it's a great tactic. Uh, you can do it against Sissipas as well. Berrettini, another one. These players, I feel, can be oh, a bit prone to some weaknesses. With Sissipas is one, it's different because we know he has a real weapon there. So the difference Chapeau. is it's, it's hit and miss. Chapeau has a real weapon there, yeah. but it's hit and miss. I think them two are very similar with that. And it's not like the same consistency that you get from a, a Djokovic-level backhand, a Zverev no. or a Medvedev. A different level altogether, and I think Rafa in these conditions of the daytime session, sort of firing looping forehands out to the backhand side, Chapo's in trouble, mate. He really is going to be. And there's so many people saying this is a close match. I saw John saying he can't call it, it's really close. I'm not sure if I buy into that too much. I know it's going to be tough for him, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, and that's why even in the intro, I'm sort of playing it down. But the more I think about it, I'll be shocked if he doesn't win in three sets. I think he needs, generally, if you look at everything together, Ben, Rafa wins this one in three. Um, for me, it's a dangerous game because if Chapeau's on and you're going to keep firing it into a backhand, which is firing, then you're all, all it's going to do is just give him more and more confidence because Chapeau, when he's playing with confidence, scary prospect. And if he starts hitting the backhand well early on, Rafa's going to be in trouble. Because Rafa's movement hasn't been the best. That's the one thing I'd say that hasn't been as good as uh, obviously previous years. And talk- He's still coming back, really. He's not fully, I wouldn't call him fully fit yet. I'd say he's, he's playing at about 60%, I'd say. I wouldn't, I mean, would you say hey, that's... Rafa? Yeah, I don't think he's even near peaked yet. Nowhere oh, close. I, I think you're being harsh. I think he's no. playing very well in spells. No, he's playing well. No, I'm not so saying he's not playing well. He's playing great. He's Listen, just, I tell you, I tell you what he has another doing. level. I know to exactly go. what you're doing. You're comparing Rafa on hardcourt to the Rafa on clay, and you've got to, you've got to differentiate them two. They're two different players. Rafa on clay is the greatest ever to do it. On hardcourt, he's certainly nowhere near that in that debate. So that's why you're always you've always got your it's too you've you've set too much of a higher benchmark for him. He won the Grand Slam wrong, on hardcourt in 2019. But you know what I'm saying, Ben. And that's why I think I think you're being a bit harsh on him. I think he is playing well. He's not at his best. I think I'm. I think I'm going. I'm saying if you let me get to my point is I think every round he is improving and he is becoming more match fit each and every round. This is what you see Djokovic do in some of his tournaments. Even though Djokovic didn't have a warm up tournament, he's warming up throughout the tournament in the first week. Rafa's similar to Djokovic. They're both high, high level players. And Rafa, even though he had a warm-up tournament, I still think he needs longer to warm up because of coming back from injury as well. 
I think the movement is the, the key thing. If he can just improve the movement around the court, um, maybe even come to the net a little bit more, I yep. think, uh, in this match. Put the pressure on the backhand of Chapeau, attack the net, and see if the errors come. One thing we're not really considering here, and 12 Travel 21 hits the nail on the head like he usually does, it's hard to attack Chapeau's backhand, as he's a lefty too. Rafa would need to go down the line against the righty. Rafa can hit his forehand cross-court to their backhand, which is the safer shot. So it's going to be a lot harder for him. Yeah, I know. It, there's a lot of elements in this that makes it really exciting. There's part of me, I don't know. Well, I'm looking at the live chat, Ben. Before we go, go, go actually, full-time predictions, uh, because maybe we can do a prediction after each one and then talk about it from there. But if we just focus on this for now, sure. a lot of people in the live chat, they're saying I'm getting very confident with it. And I can understand it. Uh, they're saying the meltdown's going to be huge if he is to lose. And I think it would be. Like, if I'm waking up and I'm staying up all night and Rafa loses... It yeah. will be a big meltdown. Um, I will lose my shit, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> but I just don't Lost think it's going to happen. I think, <laughs> I think he's going to be all right. I feel, I'm generally believing him, and I think he's going to be fine. A lot of people go in with a prediction of a few sets, maybe a five-setter. Uh, Chapeau in five, I've seen some people saying. Let us know, guys. I don't know. There's still part of me in my mind. I, even though I, that was my initial thought as well, when I was coming into this... My initial thought was, God, this is going to be a close set. Look what happened against Zverev. And like, look what Rafa has been doing so far. Surely it's going to be close. There's still part of me that thinks this was probably just going to be straight sets either side. Either Chapeau plays amazing and blitzes him or Rafa plays amazing and blitzes him. I don't know if we're going to get any middle ground. All right. Okay. So if you, part, shall we I get know. into the predictions for this one? I don't know. That's what I mean. I'm torn. I think I'll start off then because I feel like I've already... Uh... I don't know. I feel like I've laid my grave on this one. And it is going to be Rafael Nadal straight sets. I'll be surprised if he's to drop one. I feel it is against what a lot of people are suggesting is going to happen. There's a lot of chapeau love coming in from John as well. well John's a big Rafa fan, but his opinion was that, that chapeau can really hurt him. If you look at the last time they played, it did look like that way. The difference was I thought Rafa wasn't in a necessarily great place when they played last time. No. He's in a lot better position with his injury. And that's why I believe a lot in him. And another thing, the big players, you've noticed this in, in a lot of things, especially tennis, um, the very best in all the sports. When the pressure's on and there's an opportunity to be taken, they always seem to take it. Um, I don't want to go yeah. for all of the other sports, but this is, a, this is one of them situations. Rafael Nadal here has an opportunity. The first Grand Slam he's played in without, Rafael Nadal, without uh, Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. He's in here now with no Djokovic playing in it. He's got a nice draw on paper until Medford Evan in the final. Yeah. I, I feel like they take these opportunities. They're not going to let them slip. This is what the very best do time and time again. That's why they've been at the top. That's why they've won 20 grand slams. And that's why Rafa's going to win this in three. That's where I think you're making a very valid point as well here. And this is where I... It's a different level. Well, I have to agree to that point because when you are of that level and you get to a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam and you do play uh, against someone like a Rafael Nadal, if it was somebody else down the other end of the court, I think Chapeau may have less nerves. But up against somebody of the stature of somebody like a Rafa, like a Djokovic, like a Federer, players like that, you they tend to fall apart a bit. And I'm not sure if he's at the level yet where... 
his mental side of the game will get him over the over the line. Like in the last match, yes, he won it. Was Zverev good enough and playing at an equal level to him? No. Zverev was playing terribly and Chapo beat him. So I think I'm I'm very torn. That that is the main factor for me that I will make my decision here is the fact that Chapo, I don't know if he's going to be able to handle the occasion. That is the main factor in this whole thing for me. Uh, I think, and no matter what I said earlier about, I think it'll go three either way. As you've gone three, I think I'm going to go Rafa in four. Okay. My heart just sort of leaped in my uh, chest. <laughs> when you said, as soon as you went free, I'm going to go free as well. But this time I'm going Shapo in free. No, I'm I actually like going to use teeing up for and I was like... No, I'm, I'm just based upon everything I've said. I think Rafa is improving every round. And I think that he is so driven. This is the best opportunity for him to win a, a Grand Slam. No Djokovic, all of that. And even if he's limping backstage... Trust me, when those players who are that mentally driven get on court, that injury is not there. If it's not, it's not the same injury which ruled him out the French Open. It's he will be running around until he literally collapses, and that's the sort of mental strength that guy has. So, okay. so you go and Rafa in four, and you've not mentioned what John was talking about earlier. Um, these conditions he's been well, given playing another day session it helps i think we touched on it at the start it definitely helps like because the he's got the the massive top spin but what, what do you is, put it down to we know it helps we understand that but do you think it's unfair do you think he's being given handouts i'm wondering if there is some sort of well a, agenda i don't know if that's the case obviously it's all hearsay and it's all a bit like we're speculating but the tournament without Djokovic is not putting as many uh like headlines out there and there are not as many bums on seats. The longer Rafa's in this tournament, the more headline, the more people are watching this tournament. So it's in their interest to keep Rafa in this tournament anyway. So he might not even be speaking to, I'm not saying Rafa's talking to them. I'm saying it's in their interest if Rafa stays in this tournament. Yeah. I don't know if you want to go to the Morgado tweet. Sure. So this, um, yeah, here we go. Australian Open tomorrow. Nadal playing the day session for the fourth time in five matches. You can see the schedule there. He's going to be followed. Uh, well, he's going to be following the Krachikova Keys match, which is on first on Rod Laver Arena, uh, and then in the morning. Uh, well, I say morning. It'll be morning, evening there. Uh, Barty Pagula and Berrettini Monfils. But listen, I think it's a, it's a tough one. I know John wants me to talk about it. And I can't really defend the situation too much. It does mm. seem like he has been given some kind of treatment. But a lot of what I want to say, my defence in it, this is the only thing I planned as a defence, because I'm not sure. I don't know <laughs> the ins and outs. Is the fact that Barty is someone they're going to want to play having the evening. She's the Australian world number one. So I can understand why they'd have that as the match. But then why would they Ber not put Swap Berrettini? Swap yeah. that, that one. You can't Surely. really defend it. Let us know in the live chat what you think. But I'm not complaining. I don't care, to be honest. I'm more than no, happy obviously. that they're doing it because I want Rafa to have the best chance. And the this gives him the best chance. The only thing that it's bad for is us because we got to do the match. Yeah, but even still, listen, I don't mind. If it gives us a better... If it um, gives Rafa a better shot and we have to suffer with our sleep, it's actually worth it. I'll take no sleep if Rafa can win. Yeah, well, for sure. And I'm sure that that's... Uh they'd be in the same position as well. They'd uh, put him on at any time, probably by the looks of it, if it meant that he stayed in the tournament. Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to Gene for the super Cheers, chat. Gene. Cheers, mate. 
Uh, he's saying hopefully Chapeau causes the upset in four sets, but Rafa will definitely be the favourite in the fifth. Um, yeah, if it does go five, I'm not so sure. Listen, if it goes five, something, I don't know. It's a bit, I feel like Chapeau would have been, he must be playing at a good level to force it to five and I wouldn't be that encouraged that Rafa gets it done. We saw it with Sissa Pass, uh, was it last year or two years ago? Was it last year yeah, when he's two yeah, sets up? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's last year and he lost in five. So yeah, if it goes five, I'm not that convinced Rafa wins it, if I'm honest. So hopefully it doesn't go there. We stick with my prediction, which was Rafa in three. Ben's was Rafa in four. Uh, let's think move over to the next yeah, match. Anyway, I was going to say, I think you'll be surprised if it goes. I think Rafa's cruised through this whole draw. Chapo's been to four to five to four and in straight sets in the last one. He's played more time on court. I think Rafa, he's not in the same state that when he lost to Sitipas. And that's why I said he needs to win straight sets all the through the tournament if he can. But I think if he gets one five-setter, he still has a chance. But that'll detriment for the next round. I don't think he'll be able to cope so much in the semis if that was the case. So, next one. Do you want to go over to Gail Monfils versus uh, Matteo Bellatini? This one's an interesting one, and there's uh, a lot of people ruling out Monfils, and I'm a bit annoyed at it, to be honest. And I'm a lot of people just say don't even giving him a chance. This is the only guy who hasn't dropped a set in the whole entire tournament, and everybody's saying, "Oh, Berrettini in three. Ber- no, what? Really? Disrespectful to this guy, the month, who has literally had one of the worst two years, perhaps, of his life." on tour depressed I and mean, you've seen all of the stuff that he's been posting and he had all of the problems obviously with Svitolina then he suddenly got married and everything suddenly turned around ever since he got married to Svitolina his form changed now he looks like the same guy again the Monfils of old he he's actually wiping people off the court straight sets for everyone Coria, Bublik, Garin, Kekmanovic who was on a tear he was doing it for Djokovic gone and now Berrettini who well he's played more time on court four sets against Nakashima four sets against Kozlov five sets against the Alcaraz and then there's only three against the Kalenio Booster hmm I can see what you're doing mate uh for me though not that impressed <laughs> uh, reason to. being listen he tried to draw me in I've been one of them people who have been saying Matteo Berrettini in three sets I think he's going to be too strong you look at Berrettini in the last four slams he's played. He withdrew from the first one for injury. And the other three, he lost to Djokovic each time. Mm. One in the final. I think the rest were both quarterfinals. So it's another quarterfinal again. This is a time he does usually go out in a quarterfinal, Berrettini. The difference is here, he's got a nice draw. It's not against Novak Djokovic. It's Gaul Monfils, who, let's be honest, has been given a complete lifeline that Djokovic got deported. Because if Djokovic wasn't deported, there's no way he's here. This man's going to be Novak Djokovic all day of the week. I thought Djokovic had a really nice quarter. It wasn't too challenging at all. Yeah. Um, looking at the section who Monfils has played, I know you're, you've said some of the names. We've had Corio, clay quarter. Bublik, not in good form. Garin, a clay quarter. <laughs> and Kesmanovic, you'd never expect to have got that far. Um, I know I did pick him to go to this level, but... Yeah, it's not it's not been a real challenge. Before that, he lost to Montero in Adelaide. He definitely has turned the corner with his form and is playing a lot better. 
but I just don't think it's of the level of Berrettini. I've seen nothing to suggest based off who he's played that things can turn around. I think people are getting on the hype train massively, which I'm all for because I do love Gal Monfils. He's a showman. He brings something special to the court. Everyone's just getting a little bit carried away. That's just my my yeah. verdict on it. And that's why I'm <laughs> going Berrettini and free. I think you are someone who is getting a bit carried away. We've got Jamie in. Cheers for the super chat, mate. Uh, you did do another one as well. I'll read that out in a minute. Cheers, Jamie. Typical gal. Great to sit. Great so far. So he'll crash and burn. Well, that's a, a tough way of putting it. Um, I don't think he'll be disappointed. It's, it's a great result for him getting to the quarterfinals, considering oh. the years he's had the last two years. So I'm pleased with him for that. And I'm, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't be upset if he's able to beat Berrettini. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think everybody is sort of forgetting, though, that this is all dependent on Berrettini's serve. And if Berrettini, if we remember rightly, we go back, we wind back to November Berrettini pulled out of the ATP Tour Finals due to abdominal issues, which would affect his serve. Is there any still any signs of that? It hasn't shown it so far. The deeper you go in a Grand Slam tournament, the more stress on your body. Is he going to start like wearing down? We don't know that either. This is like all these like mini factors. Berrettini's serve, if it's not firing, I don't think he would win this match. However, it was firing so well against Corrinio Buster. He absolutely blew him off the court. And Kalenia Busta, great player, uh, didn't even stand a chance. The last time these two played in a Grand Slam went to five sets at the US Open in 2019. Only one in a tie break in the fifth set by Berrettini, 7-5. My prediction is Monfils is only going to get a set. It's going to be in four. Berrettini oh, in four. It. Embarrassing. Nah. Bottled it completely. That's what I think it's it. be. He's been bigging up Monfils off stream. He's been talking about all of his form, saying how good he is and this and that. And and then he gets to the prediction and completely bottles it. Berrettini in four. I think Monfils will be able to get a set. But ultimately, if the serve is firing, I don't know if there's anybody. It's only Djokovic that manages to knock him out. Like you said, it's hard to ignore it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. Um, I'm teetering between. Did I definitely say Berrettini in three? Because I'm yeah. kind of on the edge. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to change it to Berrettini in four. I don't think I officially said that I was talking about. I was one of them people who did suggest that. However, if I want to do my official prediction... Live on the podcast right now. Everyone's with no, I'm not copying you. I've just <laughs> I like I I do like Monfils for a set just for the I think what's gonna happen is Berrettini could be two sets up and Monfils takes the third because Berrettini's level could drop slightly and the crowd are gonna want Monfils to be winning and they're gonna yeah, be yeah. cheering him with everything they've got and that could sort of give him enough to win a set. Well, I hope I hope it goes five. I'm not going to lie. I really oh, want to see got Desmond that. in going for Lamont in five. That would be awesome. Uh, Gene saying, "Wow, the Monfils disrespect." He's actually got Monfils winning the whole damn thing, which is crazy. Who? Um, uh, Gene. What the he whole tournament? Talking... Yeah, he thinks he can do it. Wow! If that happens, incredible scenes. Yep. That would be amazing. What a way to uh, cap off an amazing career. Yeah, we've got a few other members as well. Let's read out what they think. Uh, we've got Kaz saying, I'm going to put my faith in Gao in four sets. Come on. And who else is there? I did see another one. We've got Kathy there. I think she's talking about Sisyphus. So we'll save that for a minute. <laughs> yeah. All right. Calm down, Kathy. Right, we'll get there. We'll get there. Almost there. 
Right, let's move on to... Wait, just before we do, sorry, on. let's move over to the Italian side of things. So you can go down and we'll talk about the Cine match next. Okay. So let's so, have a look so. at Cine Sissipa. Cine's cafe's already there. And we've spoken about Berrettini. First time we've seen two Italians in the main draw, Ben, since... I don't know if you want to bring up the tweet. Yeah, it is. There it is. Two so Italians. Go down. So for the... Oh, sorry. Go, let's really go up because I can't bother to do the maths. I don't know if it says it in the top. Does it say it? Uh, it doesn't say the, the amount of years. We'll have to do the maths. But for the fifth time and <laughs> second in open era, two Italian players reached the quarterfinal in slams. Yannick Sin and Matteo Berrettini. Um, and you can Amazing. see the last time it happened, 1973. Always in Roland Garros. 49 years. Paolo Bertolucci and Andre- Andriano Panetta. Oh, yeah. 49. So 49 amazing. years. Yeah, amazing. Wow. Uh well well done. I think it's I don't I'm not that surprised to be honest because Yannick Sinner his draw has been thankfully for him and I think he deserves a good draw finally in a grand slam. This this kid has been handed the worst draws I've ever seen. He just gets Rafael Nadal third round every time or he get Djokovic in the second round or he get just gets terrible draws all the time. Now he's finally got a decent draw. Jao Souza, Steve Johnson, Taro Daniel, and Alex Dimonor couldn't get better. He couldn't yeah. handpick those ones. Probably nicer, I don't think, on a route to a quarterfinal. I mean, we thought Monfils's one sounded pretty good. These ones are actually more hardcore players as well. Yeah. And he's done well to beat all of them. Taro Daniel was playing great, by the way. So dropping a set, no disrespect to him jg's dark uh no qualifier to watch played fantastic so well done for pointing that out watch out for taro daniel in 2022 he'll be going deep in a few 250s i reckon yeah yeah, yeah. No, it's great for italian tennis not too surprised uh we've been speaking about how many great italians there are you've sort of got massetti to put in the mix as well i know he's not playing great but i've had to throw that one in for thomas rock another good italian yeah. tennis player and there's loads more coming through the challengers as we speak. So, yes. yeah, t- Italian tennis in a great place right now. Uh, if you go back to the initial graphic, Ben. Sure. Just was going to push back the uh, the next pod. That's all. Just apologies. No worries. I'm just going to push it back half hour, if that's all right. Yeah, we'll push it back. Because I know we're going to be talking for a while still. We're only no worries. Got, there you go. It's done. Three right. of the way through. So, yeah, I'll go back to the... Uh graphic here we go so yeah looking at this we let's talk about the matchup we've got tennis brothers in the chat how we doing uh saying sinner could make the final mm, well interesting uh, really and we've got kathy uh, one of our members saying i'm all for sinner all in yeah all in on sinner well i i don't blame you either because this part of me i said it in the end of year predictions i think sinner's gonna have a big year in 2022 He's done well. He's he's finished messing around now. He's he had a good year last year. He won four tournaments last year. Just needs the slams now. Now he's focused. Now he's getting a good draw. Now he's not even going to be that tired coming into this match. Surely now, and he's playing against City. If you could pick any of the uh, people from the top four, that would probably be the one I'd hand pick for him to have yeah. a good match against. Agreed. He just went to five with Taylor Fritz. Might be a little bit fatigued. Didn't really. I wouldn't. He played all right. He served fantastically, uh, uh, Bass today. But there's still shanks in there, and there's still 
he was beatable today. And I think Fritz will be annoyed at himself that he messed up on vital points in the match. Yeah, he played, the, he played the big shots, or the big points, should I say, a lot better than Taylor Fritz. And that's why he was able to win. I thought Definitely. Fritz was really good, maybe the better player fractionally. But it was close. Epic match. Um, enjoyed that one. Yeah. Just looking at Sinner in Grand Slams. I know you touched on it. He's got a 58% win record. Played 19 matches in slams, won 11, lost eight. In the Australian Open, he's played three, won one, uh, lost two, obviously, before 2022. That's obviously changed and improved. The best he's ever reached in the slam was that quarterfinal, Ben, in 2020. Yeah. I think that's where he lost to, was it Rafa in the quarterfinals? Yeah, I believe so. Um, but he seems to always have tough draws. He definitely always. does. In 2022, I'm hoping he can improve his 2021 in slams where he got first round, fourth round, first round, fourth round. And he's definitely on his way to because he started the Australian Open with a quarterfinal yeah. um, against Sissipas. I favour him. I really do. I like him a lot in this matchup. I think he's going to be slightly fresher of the two. And I'm predicting him to beat Sissipas and knock him out. I'm going for Yannick Sinner in four. Uh, I can. I, I completely agree. I think he's there. I, from what I've seen of Sinner, I haven't watched all of his matches. I've watched the Taro Daniel one and I watched the Alex de Menor one. And the way he's striking the ball right now, Yannick Sinner, fills me with confidence. He, especially the backhand, that was the one which I was probably more concerned than the forehand. We know what the forehand is like. We know what it does. It's a solid shot, especially on hard court. The backhand, though, much improved, flatter, and it's skipping off the surface. I've seen so many winners off that backhand side from Yannick Sinner that I think he's now just a threat from both both angles. Going, I'm going to go Yannick Sinner, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as what you think it's going to be in four. I think it's going to be potentially Yannick Sinner in five because Stefano Sissipas's serving is that good he can easily get it to a tiebreak, I think, in at least a couple of sets. Yeah, we've got some people talking about Stefano's dad. Is it getting a bit annoying? Just what, non-stop talking about the coaching. It needs to stop. Needs to stop. Uh, I don't it's know like why. I, I don't ever see it happening, but nah, it same. clearly must happen because it's it always is. being pointed out. And I think John made it a good um, turn of phrase. What did he say? There's no smoke without fire. Well, exactly. And you see what's going Well. We've seen it happen, and it's not a it's not a lie that it has happened in the past. So once it happens enough times, you will be targeted. Yeah, yeah, you're being targeted. It's like the same. It's like if you go to football, a player that keeps diving over on the pitch. Well, it's like Zaka with his yellow cards. Yeah, well, this is it. Like you keep on doing the same thing over and over again. People are gonna start thinking, well, do I believe you if you're gonna argue against that, or do I believe? the other people who are trying to say, look, he's doing it again. Look, look, his dad's talking to him again. Stop it. This is coaching, on-court coaching, which you could probably get away with saying that to the umpire and then they're probably giving him a warning now. This is the thing. That's that's what the level it's got to now, unfortunately, with Sissipas is I don't think anyone would believe him if he said it wasn't happening. Yeah, it just needs to stop. I think it's, it's annoying because it's always taking the focus off the match and what we want to talk about. Uh, Gene's in with another super chat. Cheers, cheers, mate. Cheers, and buddy. Sinner is such a humble kid. Bless him. Yeah, great personality. Um, really down to earth. Seems to be pretty confident and has a good mental approach to his to his games. I love him on the run as well. 
Sinner on the run yeah. doesn't get much better. Him sort of him sort of reaching for a nice forehand into the corner, hits him down the line with ease, and yeah, I think he's beaten Sissipas. Yeah, I think we're both going for the same. I've got Sinner as number five finishing the year in that position for me. I think that it's definitely possible, and he's going to start the year strong. Yep. So moving over, just right, and here we have one of the other Canadians. This time, Felix. Um, against Daniel Medvedev. The, what, where I want to start here, Ben, is what a year it's been for Canadian tennis. Oh, amazing. Uh, and I bet all of our friends, at, uh, our other tennis channels uh, from Canada, the Slice, Matchpoint Canada, I bet they're, they're lapping it up right now, rubbing yeah. it in our faces here in the in the UK. We're uh, just waiting. When's the next men's uh, like GB guy going to come through? We thought Norrie was doing all right, but we don't think he was really like challenging properly at slams and stuff. These guys. He's not as young as Felix either. Felix exactly. has a very, very bright future ahead of him. Oh, for sure. Um, do you want to bring so, up the tweet, mate, for this Canadian yeah, tennis? Yeah, let me just find that one second. It is this that one. one. There we go. So this one, just zooming the tad, saying decent start of the year for Canadian men's tennis. ATP Cup title and now Shapovalov, Felix into the Australian Open quarterfinals. And you know what? We've not had no mention of Leila Fernandez. Who would have thought that to start the year? Wow, uh, she she's not been stealing the headlines for nah, Canada. I, she might Neither be later in there. Andreescu, she's gone quiet, but it's the yep. men taking over now in Canada. Well, it's incredible. I think about time as well. They're the one with all the promise in Canada. Yeah, if you were to speak to obviously all of these people like where we do, they they know how good they are. We know that Felix wouldn't have got to all of those finals if he wasn't that good. Just he has a little trouble getting things over the line. Uh, we saw he obviously had a fantastic result at Wimbledon, obviously beating Zverev. Shapo's now beating Zverev in a slam as well. Seems that they're sort of creeping up. The, the mental side of things for the Canadian players that everyone's criticising them for, maybe they're sort of just getting that monkey off their back at the moment. And could 2022 be the year of the Canadians? Well, uh Maybe the Italians as well. Both of both mm. nations doing doing great. Gene's uh, in with a super chat again. He's got he's into some money. Gene at the moment. <laughs> it must have won a big bet. <laughs> he's saying can Felix trouble Medvedev this time round? Medvedev didn't look uh, at all convincing versus Crazy. Yeah, but come on, you, look who you're playing. Is Felix going to come rushing to the net every single point? Sir volleying. If he does, maybe he'll trouble him as well. I. Medvedev's a different animal uh, and Felix is a completely different player to Crezzi. You can't even compare the two. There's there's no similarities in the slightest between those two players. And I'd say that about Crezzi and everybody left in the draw, to be honest. Yep. Uh, the, his serve volleying is just relentless. And Medvedev called it boring because he was rattled because Crezzi took a set off of him due to just doing the same thing over and over. It's like when you've got a computer game and you've got like a fighting game and you just keep on doing the same, pressing the same button over and over again. And then the person's like, I can't do anything to stop you kicking me in the leg or something like that. And then they're like, well, this is cheating. It's not. Guess what? You need to work out a way to stop that person doing that thing. And Medvedev did work out how to stop Krezzy because he actually managed to break him on a few occasions. And that was enough. Medvedev didn't get broken the whole entire match on his serve. So that should be noted. 
Yeah, I'm all here for it, mate. I think it's exciting. Uh, I like Crezzy, it. though, listen to this. <laughs> so Crezzy approaching the net at the Australian Open. Round one, 128 times in five oh sets. God. Round two, 100 times in four sets. Round three, 71 times in four sets. So, so round three, he dropped it down a little bit. And then round four, he pumped it up to another <laughs> level. Maxime Crezzy with an outstanding 135 times in four sets. So he come to the net more than ever, more than ever in that fourth set. And I think it probably was the fact that Medvedev was getting a bit frustrated by it, calling it boring. He thought, you know what, I'm going to keep doing it. And I, I think, think he's hit so. the most winners as well this Australian Open. Nobody's hit more winners than Crezzy. I think it's hilarious. I don't know why. It's just there's just something about about it that I know that if I was on the other end of the court, it would just bug the hell out of me. That but like because you would, you'd start to it rile you. It would just start getting under your skin. Like what is he doing? He's coming in again. Like oh my god, please stop. And then seventy five winners. Medvedev hit sixty winners in that match. That's the different. Like he hit more winners than Medvedev in the match, but. Medvedev only 11 unforced errors. I think it was smart from Crozzi. He had to keep doing it. That's how. That's the way he plays. No point changing it. And not just that. There's no point going into a baseline rally with Medvedev. As Jeremy <laughs> says, stupid. nobody beats him in them kind of rallies. And I agree with that. So, yeah, let's, we've talked about that enough. Let's talk about the actual upcoming match. If you want to go yeah. back to the graphic. Sure. Yeah. Here he is. Uh, which is Felix Medvedev. Can Felix beat Medvedev? Over to you first, Ben. Well, I'd say... No, that's unfortunately <laughs> like you know that you know what my my feelings on Daniel Medvedev. There's no Djokovic there this year. He lost in the final to Djokovic last year. This, if anything, this is his. I'm sure Rafa and him are probably looking at this tournament right now and thinking, "This is my opportunity to grab this Australian Open." There's, the nine-time champion is not there. He he just beat Djokovic in the last Grand Slam uh, final in the US Open. He's definitely the best hard-court Grand Slam player out there when Djokovic is not around, even maybe when Djokovic is around now. Who knows? For me, he, he gets it done. He might draw. I think I'm going to go Medvedev in four. I think Felix might get a set, and that's a big might because I think Medvedev is so strong. Yeah, I don't. No, I agree with a lot of what you said. I'm not going to go over the top with it. I think Medvedev wins uh, in three sets. So a little yeah. bit different to you. I, I'm trying to give him a little bit of ray of hope there, Felix. But my mind's telling me three love. But my yeah, I don't know. I want. I would like to see Felix really take it to Medvedev a bit in a way because I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm proud that he's got this far, and I want to see him do well. He's still so young. You got to remember that, Felix. What is he now? Look, I'm sorry, I'm just going to bring that up. 21 years old. Yep. And everybody is talking about, oh, like Yannick Sinner, this is amazing for him. Well, it's amazing for Felix as well. you got to remember that. He's still a very, very young guy. So the, the world, oh, the whole world ahead of him. 10, 15 years left. He's done a mad run as well in slams. So let's go back to Wimbledon last year. He got to the quarterfinal. Mm. He then rolled on to the US Open. He got to the semi-final. Exactly. We're moving one over straight up. Does that mean he's going to get to the final this time? Oh, I like it. I like where so you're final going. Final next, and then and then by Roland Garros, it seems like he's going to win the whole thing. <laughs> if he Obviously, was on the Roland other Garros, side. the one where he's not very good at, he's never yeah, he's never won a match at Roland Garros, Felix. 
Wow. He's the Medvedev. <laughs> he needs to uh, yeah. break that duck. I think if he was on the other side of the draw, he'd have a better chance. I just don't like the fact he's playing Medvedev. It's uh, it's horrible for him. Uh, and enough. he's lost the last two times in straight sets when he's played him. So, And one was obviously in the ATP Cup earlier this year. If you just go over one tab, Ben. Sure. What we're going to do now, we're going to wrap this up because we're going to be doing the yeah. women's very soon. Let's just clarify our picks for all of these ones and then we're going to talk about what we're going to be doing uh, tonight. So you can go first. So the Monfils Berrettini. Berrettini in four. Uh, yep, exactly the same for me. Berrettini in four. The second one. Nadal in four. Nadal in three. Sinner in five. Sinner in four. And Medvedev in four. Go on, Felix. Medvedev in <laughs> three. So we've actually that. got the exact same winners of each. Yeah. Different sets. Weird. Um, means it's never going to happen. But that is our predictions for the quarterfinals on the men's. Make sure, put your predictions in the live chat. We'll read some out. Uh, we've got, where is it here? Uh, just lost it. Can you see one? Oh, there we go. By air saying Berrettini, Nadal, Sissipas, Medvedev. Going for Sissipas, a bit different to us. We've got Sam going. Uh, Monfils beats Berrettini. Uh, shout out to Vance for the super chat. Appreciate Cheers, that. Vance. Saying Rafa Med are spelling, are smelling blood, but Chapeau is getting the album ready. <laughs> wow. <laughs> maybe, maybe if he beats Nadal, <laughs> um, he could this track. Put, yeah, he could he could put up some some lyrics about how he beat Nadal at the Australian Open in there, but we'll have to wait and see for that. That's our predictions anyway. How I want to end it is we are going to be covering Shapovalov Nadal later on. Here's a nice little graphic between the two. Their best results at the Australian Open, of course, Rafa's won it before. Shapo third round, uh, 13, 13 years between them, thirty five Rafa, twenty two feet. Uh, Chapeau, can't get the names mixed up. Uh, and yeah, just a few others. 89 titles there for Rafa, only one for Shapovalov. Head to head, he leads 3 1 and ranking Rafa's fifth, Chapeau 14th. Um, and just quickly looking at Rafa on the Dow against the draw, seeing as Vance is saying it's looking easy for him and they're smelling blood. Rafa has got a favorable record against all of them. So him versus the rest of the field 32 wins, six losses. Never lost to Berrettini. Um, beaten Monfils 14 times, lost twice. Beaten Shapovalov three times, lost once. Never lost to Sinner, beat him three times. Only lost to Sitterpass twice, beat him seven times. And never lost to Felix. Played one, one, one. I think it looks yeah. good, doesn't it, it's on paper? Look, it does look very good on paper. We know that that's based upon uh, an illustrious career. And now he's at the sort of, the uh, the back end of it, so it'd be more interesting to look at the last year or so rather than looking at over a whole course of a career. I think it's quite interesting to see Chapo as well. Uh, he is obviously, if he was to beat Rafael Nadal, let's say. Wait, is Medvedev down one, mate? I think you've. Apologies. There you go. Yeah. Three and, and one. Medvedev three one. Sorry, I had to zoom in. Didn't want to include yeah. all the. All the trending things down the side. Uh, yeah, Chapo though, because I was looking on his head-to-head -head with some people as well. Him, if he manages to go through against Rafa, he let's just say he goes through and then he faces Berrettini. He's got a 2-0 record against Berrettini. So that's favourable for him if Berrettini was to go through. And against Monfils, he's 1-1. One and one. So... Either of those, he'd probably fancy his chances against if he does. And 
well, if you beat Rafael, Rafael Nadal, you'll probably fancy yourself getting to a final anyway, If I'm, in my opinion. But yeah, you can dream on, Ben. Not happening, unfortunately. Chapo's <laughs> uh, going out. Hopefully you can join us, guys, for the... I don't want to say time. Just I'm going to just say in UK perspective, for the middle of the night match, 3 a.m., yes. 4 a.m., whatever it's going to be, make sure to join us. Set your alarms. It's going to be a good one. Rafa's going to get the job done. You heard it here first. Um, and yeah, cheers, guys, for watching. We'll end here with Jamie's Super Chat saying, if Chapeau is any bit erratic, Rafa will steamroller. <laughs> Let's go. Come on, Rafa. Let's get the job done. I'm wearing my T-shirt and the cap tonight. Let's go. Uh, and hopefully we'll see you guys in about 10 minutes for the women's quarterfinal predictions. Just like this one. Don't go anywhere. Cheers, guys. See you soon. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.